Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Fireside Church Podcast. Fireside is a new church on the North Shore of Massachusetts. Our mission is to love God, love others, and help others do the same. For more information, check us out at firesidechurch.org. Powerful words there. I think some people here feel like the, the night is holding on. And what a reminder that, you know, someone said, you know, when it feels like it rains, we need to be reminded that God reigns. Amen. And when you feel like the night is holding on, you need to be reminded that God is holding on to us. So today we're going to be in Acts 10, a little bit of 9 and a little bit of 11. And with the summer, you know, it's hard to kind of predict, you know, like series and all this. And so we, we, the last three weeks, this is the third week of this little mini series called Fireside Chats with Peter. And so if you were here two weeks ago, we talked about Peter around a campfire. And it's right when Jesus got arrested. And three times Peter denies Jesus, denies being a disciple of Jesus around a campfire. Only to find himself a few weeks later, Jesus recreates the scene after he was resurrected. His little campfire by the beach. And around this campfire, he reinstates Peter and asks him three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And so what the idea was that sometimes a scene that was a scene of rejection, God can turn into a scene of redemption. And it doesn't have, whatever you're going through, the result doesn't always have to be the same, that God can use our past and and do some pretty amazing things with it. And then last week we talked about fiery trials, and all I really need to say is those two words, and they'll probably hit some people, if not everybody here, that will surface a fiery trial in their life, and how God uses fiery trials to refine us and redefine us. And how we can just, you know, uh, take on to these truths and these promises and, and how we can hold on to these trials so that Jesus may be proclaimed. And today, I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And we've, Connor and Julia talked about it a couple of years, but the Holy Spirit is one of these, the, out of the, the, the three aspects of God, you've got Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the, the one that probably gets the most, the least attention. But there's power. So I, I want to give you something from my past. Not a lot of people know this in my close friends, but when I was in college, I was a lumberjack of the Great Maine Lumberjack Show. And if you've ever been to Bar Harbor, has anyone been to Bar Harbor and gone by the great Timbertina? Uh, in, she was, her uh, nephew just won the, the Steel Series. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about, but it's a big deal <laughs> in the lumberjacking world. And so I was in college and I'm like, you know, I want I need a job, and I saw an ad, and I was in an improv group at college, and I thought, you know, it would be really fun if I did this. I could tell everyone that I would, was a lumberjack, and so I never had any lumberjacking experience. Actually, my experience was I, my dad did not believe in power tools, so we had screwdrivers, and we had um, hand saws. So he would make me climb trees, and I would get in these awkward positions, and I would handsaw limbs of trees. And, and, and then you get to a point where it would break, and the thing would swipe down, and usually would take me out, and I would fall 5, 10, 15 feet. You guys know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you've used one of those handsaws, it's painstaking, and it requires a lot of effort. And I would say, Dad, you know, like, what about, I've seen these people who have these chainsaws. They're like, ah, you don't need a chainsaw. You know, you, you need a handsaw. You get muscle. Muscle's your power. This is my dad, right? And Kate laughs because she knew my dad, and this was very much my dad. And so I, I applied for this great Maine lumberjack show, and I get the job. 
and now they bring out these chainsaws. And these chainsaws were meant for sport, and you were to cut a log about two feet thick, up, down, up. And some of these chainsaws had snowmobile motors in them. And so I pulled the, 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 the ripcord and had a big muffler, and the thing just was like, Wah! and I felt like I was so powerful. And in the competition, my best time was to cut down, up, down, two feet in less than three seconds. These are the power of these chainsaws. And I feel like some of us here, some of us here feel like they're using a handsaw. And they feel like they're just on their own effort, and you're sweating and tiring. And I want to talk today about the power of the Holy Spirit, because what I see in the scripture and what I see what's happening in, in the lives here and in my life is that when the Holy Spirit comes, it gives you power. And all of a sudden, there's this power, like a chainsaw that you never even knew existed, that could cut more, that could do more than you could ever even imagine. It's power. The other day, Steve and Connor were on my porch, and we were talking, and Blake found the hose. So you remember that? And he felt very powerful, because we did not want to get wet. And you could just see it in his eyes, like, don't come near me. And it was just like this sense of power. We have that sense of power. We have that access to power through the Holy Spirit. And my hope and my prayer is that today that we can receive that gift because it's not something we achieve. It's something we receive. And so we have Peter with all of his uh, disciples and this whole gang. And Jesus had just left. Jesus had just been resurrected. And he said, I am going to leave you something bigger than me. I'm going to leave you something that is bigger than me. And at Pentecost, you know, they're there, and all of a sudden, the winds come striding through, and something big is happening. Jesus is already gone, and all these flames of fire come, and they start going and hovering on people's head, and they start speaking in different languages that they've never even were, they've never learned, and people are seeing them, and they're like, what is happening? Is there something big going on? Some people thought they were drunk, and then Peter stands up and says, the Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised has come. And it is still here today. This is, not, this is something that's happened to the past, but it continues today that we still have that Holy Spirit on earth. And so in Acts 9, you see them go out, and Peter starts kind of traveling in what is today modern Israel, and he's on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and he's got the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you look at healings, and, you know, obviously many of you guys know our situation with our daughter Ellie. Ellie is going through cancer treatment, and so we are praying for healing, right? And we look at all these healings of Jesus, and we kind of think, well, you know, it's Jesus, right? Jesus is the Son of God. He, he can heal anybody, but what about me? What about us? What about now? And so we look at Peter, who was a man. He was a fisherman. He was an average person that God chose on mission. And we see in Acts 9, as Peter traveled around the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who had lived in Lydia. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas. Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately he got up. And here's the kicker verse. All those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. 
Verse 40, Peter sent them all out of the room because there's this woman, this girl named Tabitha who was dead, and they put her up in the upper room, and they cleaned her, and they called for Peter, come, you know, Tabitha is gone, is dead, can you do something? And so he got on his knees and he prayed, turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she got up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and the key thing here, and many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. See, Peter had access to this power, and he uses that power to heal, not for prosperity reasons, but for proclamation. Do you understand that? That, oh, no, poor, poor Tabitha, poor Ananias, you know, they, they've been suffering, I'm just going to come and heal you, but healed with a purpose that the holy spirit enables us to preach the gospel in acts 1 8 this is but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you're like yes we will receive this power and then it says and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and all of judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth this power is meant to proclaim it's not meant for prosperity. Although sometimes in the proclamation, good things can happen that we desire, like healings. So it's not that we don't prosper by the proclamation. But it, without proclamation, it doesn't make sense. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is meant to proclaim who Jesus is. And that's what we want to talk about today. And we want to look at a man um, named Cornelius. If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 10, and this is where we're going to hang out for the rest of the morning. There's a guy named, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as an Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. What Cornelius was, he was a commander in the Roman army. He had probably about 80, maybe 100 men under him. And he was stationed on Joppa, which was on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And he wasn't Jewish. He was a Gentile. And a Gentile is anybody who's not Jewish. Jews believed in God, the one God. They had a lot of directions that they needed to follow in what it meant to be a Jew, what was clean, what was unclean, how to sacrifice, when to worship, all these things. But Cornelius wasn't born a Jew, so he probably wasn't circumcised, but he had the desire to follow God. And so he would go to the temple, although he couldn't go all the way in the temple because he wasn't a Jew. He would go to the temple, and he did his best to follow God. He desired to do what God wanted him to do, though he really wasn't Jewish. And when, when you, you see that he gave and he did all these things, he was God-fearing, what, what the scriptures are saying is that it wasn't grace because of what he did. It was grace because of his desire. He's saying, hey, this is proof that he was trying to follow God, that he was giving to the poor, that he was praying daily. It's not because he was giving and he was praying that, no, I'm going to show favor on you. He's like, no, no, I see what you're doing. I see that you are actively desiring to follow me. And so, in Acts verse uh, 3 of chapter 10, one day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of the Lord who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked the angel. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. What the angel is saying is, I see you, Cornelius. I see that your desire to follow me. 
I see what you're trying to do. And so now send men to Joppa and bring back a name, Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So he says, I see your desire. Now I want to give you some direction. Now I, I need to put a, a name to the face that you follow. I need to give you some direction. And there's a man named Peter that I want you to get. A little background, Gentiles and Jews did not like each other. Jews had all these directions of what was clean and unclean, and Gentiles did not. Therefore, they were deemed as unclean, and they weren't allowed to associate with each other. Jews would not associate with Gentiles. They despised them. They did not think that they were clean, so they wanted nothing to do with them. They, they couldn't believe the foods that they ate. They couldn't believe that they wouldn't wash their hands before they ate. They're just like, these people I want nothing to do with, and so they stayed away from them. See, at the same time as Cornelius's vision, Peter had a vision as well. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Peter is staying at a tanner's house, and a tanner is someone who takes dead animals and skins and makes leather into skins. And they would station these tanners outside of the city because the smell was so awful. There's a bunch of dead animals, and they're hanging all these skins up, and the salt water they would use to clean them, and so they would be on the coast away from the city. And Peter is staying with a tanner whose occupation is to be around dead and unclean things that he's not supposed to be around. So you can always see that God is already doing a work in Peter. So one day, Peter goes on the roof, and he has this vision. And what God tells him is, there's no longer clean and unclean. Everything is okay. He said, get up, Peter, and go eat. The, the directions that you had are no longer needed for now because Jesus has come to fulfill the law. And Peter is thinking, there's just no way. No, no, no. These are the directions that I live by. Now you're telling me it's okay. What I smell, this foul smell, you're saying it's okay to eat? This makes no sense. And then he's thinking about it, and then the Spirit says, Peter, there's three men waiting for you downstairs. And so Peter goes downstairs, and there's three men, and the Spirit says, go with him. And here is the start of the movement of Christianity spreading, and no longer are these barriers in place that God is taking them down. See, in Isaiah 60, Isaiah the prophet, this is before Jesus, says, all nations... Some translations say Gentiles. All Gentiles will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. He's saying, predicting, and they see it throughout the Old Testament, that one day Gentiles are going to come to the kingdom of God. And this is that day, is that no longer is there separation. No longer is there this tension that's happening between people who didn't grow up a certain way. I did a paper for my class, and I kind of used this Gentile Jew thing as an example of where we live today in New England. And Jews as churched people and Gentiles as unchurched people. And so many times, church people say, you know, no, we just want to take care of our own, and we want to live our separate lives because we see the uh, ungodly things that are happening, and we don't want them to be associated with us. And that is the exact opposite of what God says in the Gospels. He says, no, 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 go out into all the nations and preach the good news. There are no longer barriers that all can come to Christ. If you were with us a couple months ago, we talked about, you know, religion in general, that God took a religion that was inclusive and made it into an exclusive relationship with him. 
a religion that was just select people, Judaism, and now he came, and now it's for all, because Jesus died for all. Not just those who were brought up a certain way, not just those who were circumcised or uncircumcised or whatever it may be, but Jesus came for all who would accept him and would have the desire to follow him. And so, sometimes I believe the biggest barrier for people to come to Jesus is often Christians themselves. Peter, after he hears Cornelius' story, Cornelius, he comes in and he hears Cornelius says, you got to listen to this, Peter. I had a vision, and here you are. And Peter is just marveled that God would speak to a Gentile. And he says this. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts every nation, the one who fears him, and does what is right. This battle kept on going on. And so Then the Jews said this, all right, if you want to be a Christian, you have to be a Jew first and then a Christian. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to be like us before you're like Jesus. And so the big thing was circumcision. You need to be circumcised and be a Jew, and then you're a Jew, then you can be a follower of Jesus. And Paul is like, no, 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 this isn't. You guys are crazy. They don't have to follow these rules. If they have a desire to follow Jesus, we can give them direction on how to follow Jesus, and they can be a disciple of Jesus. And so they had this big council. They all got together in Jerusalem. All these uh, church leaders, they start debating, all right, do they need to be like us before they're like him? Is that the pathway? And so they're talking about it, and Paul sharing stories of all these people who have come to faith, all these Gentiles, and they're like, whoa, this is crazy. So you know what I mean? They don't have to be Jewish first? They're like, no, not at all. And then James, the brother of Jesus, stands up and he says this. He says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. And that's my hope for Fireside, is that we are a church that does not make it difficult for people to come to Jesus. That we're a church to say, hey, before you come and try to be like Jesus, you need to be like me first. You need to be like me, and then when you're like me, then you can be like him. No, 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 no. You don't want to be like this. Trust me, you don't want to be like me. You want to be like Jesus, and I want to help you to be like Jesus no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done. I don't want to be in your way. I want to help you along the way. I don't want to be a barrier. I want to be a welcome mat. And a welcome mat, when you come into a house, what's the first thing you do? You start stomping on a welcome mat and start taking off all the dirt and all the stuff that was getting you dirty. And I think that's what we want to be as a church. We don't want to be a locked door. We want to say, welcome, and let me help you take off all these burdens and all these things in your life so you can come into a relationship with Jesus. And that's what we want to be as a church is no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, no matter how you grew up, church or unchurched or whatever it may be, that we want to help you to be like Jesus. So, Peter gives this gospel message. He comes to Cornelius, who has desire to follow God. But he just doesn't have the directions. He doesn't know what that means. And so Peter lays it down for him. He gives him the gospel message. And if you are here and you've never been baptized before, this is what you need to accept. This is the truth of who Jesus is. And Peter's going to lay it down for us. 
you don't need to be like us. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to live by in order to be a Christian and to have life, an abundant life, to be forgiven of your sins. And here he goes. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. And I think that's similar. He's saying, you've heard of Jesus. Like, Jesus was a big deal. This was like a big thing in Jerusalem and Judea. He's like, you've heard the stories. And I think many people, if you're going to go out outside of the church, and you were to say, hey, Jesus, everybody's going to say, yeah, I've heard of him, and I heard he died on the cross. Yeah, I know these stories. And so Peter's like, you know all these things. You've heard all these things. And then he says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. It's not just stories. It is fact, and I saw it with my own eyes. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets, all the people in the Old Testament, they testified about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Mike, drop. Amen. You want to know, you want some direction, the stories you've heard about Jesus, it's true. I saw it with my eyes. He rose from the grave. And if you believe in him, and if you believe that he died for you, your sins are forgiven through his name. And that should transform you. You want direction, we'll hear you. And as soon as he said this, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, those that were with Peter, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And this is kind of unique because earlier in Acts, Peter said, get baptized and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. And in this case, it was the opposite. The Holy Spirit comes and then they get baptized. And all these Jews that were there, they're astonished. And it, when they came, they probably doubted like, ah, oh, Gentiles, they can't come they're not like us, so how they can be like him? They, they don't know our directions and our customs. And then all of a sudden they see the Holy Spirit come, and then it's proof with them speaking in different languages. And they're like, oh, what is happening here? Is this true? The prophet said that all nations are going to come. Is this happening? And it was. And so Peter's like, see, we can't stand in the way of being baptized. They are not like us, but they want to be like him, and we want to help them be like him. And so let's baptize them. And then Cornelius says this, hey, hey, we still need some direction. Peter, stay for three more days. Stay. Teach us. Teach us about Jesus, who you hung out with. Teach us about what he said and how to live. Teach us. Teach us. And Peter said, okay, I will teach you. 
And then Cornelius later on most likely went back to Rome, a changed man. And as a church, that's what we want, is we want to help people with the directions. And those desires of following God, we want to give some direction how to follow God. I, I believe today we live in a society that a lot of people, a lot of people have the desire to do good. Especially in the younger generation, they want to help. They will pay more money to buy shoes knowing that another pair of shoes is going across the country or across the world. And, and I, I applaud them for that, is that there's this incense about, there's something in them that's like, I want to do good. I want to help people. They're more experience-driven. I would rather go and actively serve than actually get. This is the new mindset that's happening. But what they lack is some direction. They don't know why. Like, and so I believe that we are in primed place to say, hey, guys, you want to do good? You want to help people? Well, let's, let's tease this out a little bit. That Actually, Jesus has commanded us to serve the poor just as you desire to do it. And let's give them some direction in a, in a place that they're already headed. And I think that's what we want to be as a church, is that we want to point people to Jesus. Because a lot of people, because when they do good, they're like, oh, it just feels good, right? And say, no, no, it's not about feeling good. It's about doing what God wants. And so we want to give them some direction in that. And I think that there is a balance here. There's a balance between desire and direction. And I think so many times people can go one way or the other. A lot of people who grew up in the church have a lot of directions and are really good at following directions. I know what I shouldn't do and I know what I should do and I'm just going to do that and if I just follow these directions and I'm going to be saved. But what they sometimes lack is the desire to truly follow Jesus, the desire to love what God has commanded us to do, the desire to, to go out and to preach the name of the gospel, to go outward instead of inward. And then there's other people that have the desire that we talked about. Hey, I just want to do good. I want to do all these things. And, and we live in a world, in a country, and in an area that is more spiritual than it ever has been. Spiritual. Ah, whatever feels good is spiritual. Yeah, you believe in a God. Oh, that's great. But they lack so much direction. And it's kind of like whatever feels good and whatnot. And so we also need a direction. And the Bible has given us this. And it's like, you know these desires? Yeah, there's a spiritual realm. And let me tell you about the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and who Jesus is and what he did for you. And we can do what Peter did and give them the gospel message. And then we can stay with them and do life with them and teach them and help them with their desire in order for them to be a disciple. Because I believe the desire to follow God and the direction and how to follow God equals a disciple of God. Do you get that? And I believe that our church can be that. And I believe that there is something huge happening in this area. And so when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power is for proclamation, that we want to help people come to Jesus, that Jesus has enabled us to give us power in order to proclaim his message, not prosperity. And I don't want to, like, minimize the healings and all that because, as we've seen, that there are healings involved in proclaiming who Jesus is. That there's some power that we cannot get from other things around this earth. This is something I've been, I'm going to be honest with you, lately I've been really, like, wrestling with this in our situation. And so Ellie tomorrow has huge scans. Ellie relapsed about a, a month and a half ago, and now we're in this world of trying to figure out what's going on. Is it even working? And God, you didn't heal her then. 
are you going to heal her now? When are you going to heal her? And I've been trying to, like, not predict God's plan, but just trust in his process. And I think a lot of us are probably in that same area. Like, God, just tell me the plan. And, and God's like, no, I'm not going to tell you the plan. I just need you to trust in the process. And, and like Romans 8 says that all things for those who love them are for the good of those who love them. So all things can be good, no matter how bad they are, they can be good for those who love them. So I want to be, I want to love you, Jesus, and I want to proclaim your message. Because I think sometimes God will position us in pain for the purpose of proclamation. And so whatever you're going through, and if you're seeking power through the Holy Spirit, recognize that it is granted, but in a way that proclaims the name of Jesus and not just for your prosperity alone. That when all see what God is doing, we can declare that it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is at work. And I believe that Jesus is at work in this area like never before. That the things in your life that you say, I couldn't believe that this happened. We need to proclaim it, that Jesus has done it, that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because there's things in this world that are just too much for us to handle. There's things in this world that we can't do it alone. So we hang on to these promises. And, and Jesus says, you will have the power of the Holy Spirit that will bring you peace. And so when that peace comes, say, God, I can't have peace without the Holy Spirit. I proclaim your name. And it's for your benefit. I want to have the band come up here. And as the band comes up, I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for whatever is going on in your life to receive the power of the Holy Spirit that is there for all who believe that what Peter said, that Peter said that you believe in Jesus, died on the cross, and raised up three days, and if you believe that he did that for you and for your sins that are forgiven, that you can receive and will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And through that power, you have the power that Peter had. You would have the power that all the other disciples have. You have the power to heal in his name for his name not just for our name so when I look at all the brokenness and my excitement in the pain is like watch what God's going to do because when he does it we're going to proclaim and even if he doesn't we're going to still proclaim because I want to trust in his process and not predict his plan and trust that all is going to be good and we will rejoice and we will proclaim his name in the midst of the storm after the storm and while the storm's coming and that's the power of the Holy Spirit and it is a true power. This isn't just make-believe. I've got to be honest. Like This week, like Kate and I have had a peace that makes no sense. I mean, it's not easy, but it's like, you know what? I don't know. And, 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 and what I realize, I start talking to people. And some people who know our situation, and they start crying. And we were at an event yesterday, and there was about 150 people. And they're all coming. They're all crying. And you start realizing, well, this is heavy stuff. But for some reason, I'm believing that God is doing a work. And I don't know what that work is, but I'm going to trust because there is a power in his name. And I want to see that power work in order to proclaim his name. And so that is our proclamation as a church. Is that we don't want to be a barrier for people to come into Jesus. That there's that you got to be like us before you're like him. No, we want you to be like him and receive the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim his name in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of whatever is going on, that we can just rejoice and say, Jesus, give us power. Lord, we we stand here, we sit here, and we just say, Lord, just infuse us with the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. That you will give us the gifts in order to proclaim your name. That people will look at Fireside and say, I don't, 
they, they must be crazy, but they're not because they're doing these amazing things and they're equating it to you, Lord, and I want to know what that's like. So, Lord, whatever people are going through, Lord, let them know that they have the power for those who believe in his name and what he's done for us. They say, Lord, I believe that you can heal this situation. I believe you can get me out of the situation. And when you do, I will proclaim your name. And if you take me down another path, I'm going to trust in that and I'm going to proclaim your name. Lord, I think there's a lot of people here who just need the power of the Holy Spirit to grant them peace. And Lord, we just ask that peace will just uncover them. That they stop trying to figure things out and understand why things are going on and what's happening in their life. That they can just trust in your process and say, Lord, I, I can't do this. I don't have the power to do this. So Lord, I, I am trusting and I'm asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to come into my life and grant me the peace while I wait for the process to be revealed in the purpose of whatever is happening be done so we ask for that peace and we ask that you will position us in places that we can proclaim your name in an area that is in so need of it that you can make us a bunch of welcome mats that we welcome people into your presence and say let me help you get off this dirt that the world has thrown on you whether it's insecurities or all these sins or all these addictions whatever it may be I want to help you get rid of that I'm going to give you some direction so that you will come to know the Jesus that I know and have power in his name like the power that we have in his name and we will proclaim his name in all circumstances and it's in your precious name we pray Amen